Hello and welcome to Super Rugby Round 14 Review, brought to you by Driving Mall. Hi, I'm Paul, the guy behind Driving Mall. Your best place for rugby opinion and predictions. And uh, why else would you go anywhere else? I'd say this is the only place to be. And joining me this evening is, all the way from uh, Thailand, is Herman. How are you doing, sir? Good evening, Paul. I'm fine, and how are you? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. We're going to have to buy some light bulbs, because clearly uh, you're, uh, you're struggling with the old, uh, with the old lighting. <laughs> well, you want me to make it more light? Right? <laughs> yes, go for yes, a bit okay. more bright. Oh. Oh, well, uh, whilst Herman's off uh, turning his lights on, there we go, now people can actually see him. Um, obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, yeah, this show comes out at 8pm every uh, Monday on YouTube, so you can catch and see how things are done behind the scenes. And already there are a bunch of guys chatting uh, in the live chat. So hi, Jack, Andre, Christian, Brent. I uh, hope you're all having a great evening and uh, or morning, actually, in the case of Brent, as he's in South Africa. But Herman is now back, and we can actually get on with the show. So first up, we had the Hurricanes versus the Reds. One that I thought was going to be easy to predict. I went to Hurricanes by 15. But it ended up being a lot closer than that, didn't it? Yes, it did. That was prob- maybe all the biggest surprise of them all because I was firmly in the camp that this is going to be at least 30 points up for the Hurricanes. And what, I guess that's been one of the themes of this season is there, there, are, there are a couple of teams out there now that seem to be able to turn up on some weekends and on other weekends. They're just not even at the races. Uh, after losing it to the Sunwolves, heavily last weekend you thought that the Hurricanes a better side than the Summers let's be honest um, should be able to rack up a few more points uh, the Lions are another one they'll lose the Blues one week uh, and then they'll beat uh, they'll, they'll put in a good performance the next week right? the Hurricane, uh, they beat the, what, beat the Tars and lost to the Reds so there are a number of these teams out there this season that really you, you, you are guessing when it comes to who's going to turn up aren't you it's a nightmare when you're doing prediction isn't it <laughs> <laughs> you you really have to like have a feel for it if you're going to be spot on now. You do, and uh, well, we'll get on to some of that later on. Um, but I thought it was pretty telling that uh, that early on the Reds got themselves under advantage. They had an opportunity uh, in the in the Canes half, and John Lance just kicks the corner. They don't really try score a try. He just seems to kick the ball away. Go, I'll have my three, please. Uh, they didn't look very adventurous or didn't seem to be trying too much uh, from the Reds this evening. No, but I thought you can't really complain about the Reds. They had a, they had a pretty solid game plan there, you know. But I also have get the feeling that, for me, it was probably after, like, already from the first time when the Reds came into the Hurricanes 22, I, thought, I sensed right away, like, oh, my God, Hurricanes look soft today. They look loose, you know, because Reds could go pretty much straight through them in the middle without too much hassle so pretty, at least the first half I was thinking uh, this is going to be pretty even but yeah. then I was like yeah. I, they, 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 oh. and they, they kicked their three they didn't, I, I, I thought they would have just tried a bit more if you've got, if you've got advantage on the edge of the opposition 22 there are cross field kicks there are little chips over the top there are passing moves there's so much you can have a go with but kicking it to the corner was just like well he's not really going to get that ball it's going to bounce out anyway it just there was just a lack of intent for me there. That, that was all. Maybe I'm I'm a bit harsh. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd say the, the the Reds took three. The the Canes came back very quickly and scored a try from the from from a scrum. Uh, 
and um, and that we kind of repeated that. Red score three. Yeah. Ben Lamb comes. Ben Lamb comes back and uh, carries two players for ten meters over the line and puts the ball down for a try. Uh, that guy is something special, isn't he? This this season. He is. He is. But don't you reckon he missed out maybe on the All Black spot because the, the, when he bombed the try, was never left. Um, I, I I really don't think you get into the uh, or, or or get left out of the All Blacks on on, on one try. On one moment. No, no, obviously so, not. Obviously not. But I think it's like you're looking for details because he's so close to get selected. So it can very much be very well with small details that gives you a nod or not. But I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm exaggerating there. I think it's more down to his... I think there's still some questions to ask about his defensive play. But on attack, he for sure ticks all the boxes. Yeah, we'll be getting into that in depth on Wednesday night with the All Blacks edition. All right. Um, so we'll be going through the the All Black squad uh, several times, probably uh, during the hour, uh, picking its pieces. So uh, yeah, for in depth reasons as to why we think Ben Lamb has been left out, then join us on Wednesday um, or catch the pod uh, podcast, obviously, or, as well. Um, then the. Um, uh, the, the Reds actually changed their plan because they got a penalty um, just short of the line after pounding away and actually took a scrum, which is a bit, of, bit strange. That they go for three and then suddenly they, they, they change their tactics and think that their scrum's strong enough. Uh, that was a, that was an interesting one. Like maybe, or maybe they just realised that they weren't going to keep up if they kept scoring three to every seven. Uh, my take on it was what a little bit connected to what I said before. I think the Reds, the third of the game went, they realised, oh, we're not going to get smashed here today. We... We're going places when we have the ball in hand. So so that, I think, was the biggest reason why we changed tactics and stopped kicking and go free and all of a sudden stopped starting to go for fives and seven. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they pull it back. Ben Lamb then dropped the ball over the line, um, again, holding it with one one hand. And, it, yeah, this is this is a, the, the try you're talking about and details. There's a time when you can just hold it one hand and put it down. He's done it probably about... 10 or 14 times so far this season however many tries he scored um, there are other times <laughs> when you wrap it up and you drop um, down and that's what he should have done here he should have dived over or just fallen over really for this one luckily it didn't I, come back to haunt the, haunt the uh, canes too much actually what I'm thinking about uh, maybe I'm a bit unfair to him because I sort of recall on the, when I watch the replay you can see the, the Reds player who's tackling is hitting him uh, right on the, on the elbow and if you get a good hit right on the elbow, you're a nurse here, you will open your hand right away. I don't know if you're familiar with this, that you have nurse around the elbow, but will make your hand open. Yes, and that's why you have the whole arm wrapped around it. So if your hand does open, it still doesn't fall out. Fall out. All right. Fair um. play, Paul. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't need to have my own uh, personal... I need, I need my community manager to look after the, after the live chat. Um, so, yeah, no, he should have, he should have kept hold of that. Uh, Karevi, who's had a bit of a poor season this season, showed us why he is class and why he is a wallaby. Um, that was good. hitting that line perfectly. He did, he did, and I, I mean that's that's a massive boost for the wallabies because they desperately need him in some form for this series against Ireland. I reckon. Oh, that's going to be interesting as to what the wallabies uh, uh, combination is because uh, you've got to say that B will be at twelve, uh, so. Uh, do you get Kurandrani or Karevi at thirteen? 
and uh, Karevi's been caught out there defensively previously so I think he'd uh, I'm not sure that Karevi's uh, he's probably going to be a bench option rather than actually a, a starter I'd yeah. have thought bench option I agree um, about that the, uh, and then we had some, some typical Highlander stuff um, <laughs> for um, to, 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 you mean like scoring tries <laughs> lovely hands out and then sort of then out wide you find a number eight just strolling over and you're thinking really uh, the, the, number eight stuck out wide get in the middle get uh, get stuck in a bit more but no the All Blacks like to have a, a hooker out one uh, out on one wing and a and a number eight out on the other wing um, so there was that there um, and the um, and then Ben Proctor um, held up uh, um, over the line. Proctor, according to Boyd, the best uh, centre in the country currently, maybe not according to other players, um, <laughs> other, other pundits, uh, didn't, didn't get himself down. And one of the things I thought when Lamb went out, when scored out wide was Barrett's kicking has had to be good this season because so many of their tries have been scored out wide this season. Um, this, is not, uh, this is not breaks up the middle or kick returns as we've seen quite often from the Hurricanes it has been much more of getting out to Ben Lamb and, uh, and letting him go in the corner yeah and that's very well spotted of you Paul I've been thinking too of this that Barrett he doesn't get many shots right in front of his sticks because yeah first we rarely take freeze Hurricanes and as you say we score very, very wingers score a lot of tries so. but he I, shouldn't we give him some props Barrett I think he's kicking better than ever actually at the moment Oh, absolutely! His kicking has been spot on this season. He's uh, he was perfect tonight from memory. Uh, actually, I've got the stats here, so I don't know why, why I'm using memory. Um, yeah, hundred percent kick success rate uh, tonight with his uh, five conversions and the penalty goal uh, on half time. Which yeah, you can see why they why they took the kick the three after the hooter. Uh, so the uh, no, he, his his kicking has been has been top notch, and I think uh, clearly he's been working on that in the off season. Because he has, yeah, the, we've not had those days where, or any games this season where he's suddenly off the boil, I don't think from memory, uh, which we have had in the past. But he, he's always been a good kicker on his day. Now we can yep. say he's a good kicker, full stop. And that's the, <laughs> that's yep. been kind of the yeah. the advance we've oh. seen these last, uh, uh, the, uh, over, the, um, over the summer. Yeah, yeah. But it's not only the stats if we go like, little bit deeper into it if you're really watching how his how his feet is moving how he strikes the ball it seems like he'll get a much better connection with the ball i mean you will still miss some but it seems like he's it really seems like he knows what he's doing and he trusts his technique now you know and he, even if he miss one he has to go on and do exactly the same thing the next time I mean. yep no that's ex exactly it has been um uh he has, has been good yeah i mean andre says yeah barrett kicking like a spray gun last season um he's been uh excellent this season i think a spray gun is a little bit harsh uh, but there we go. He had his he had his days on uh, <laughs> on and off. Um, we saw a bit of why the uh, Tom and Thor is considered so good, um, and why there's so much noise around him as well with his uh, yep, with his try. We did. Um, and we'll see him for for, for quite a long time uh, for, to come as well, I imagine, um, barring injury. Yeah, no, it, was a, it was a good try he scored, but probably even better his assist. The second half for a try when they made the goose step. And actually, it was a, <laughs> not a goose step only for show. It was it was a proper one. <laughs> a proper goose step. <laughs> I mean, I'm a I'm a ma I'm a massive fan of TJ Perinara in every regard. But my God, his tackle attempt on Tongan Tour, you know, it was more like 
I'm gonna pretend tackling him in here and just hope no one sees that I don't get hurt. You know? <laughs> yes, that, that, there was. Yes, there was, when he was breaking down the line, there was de- yeah, there were a couple of players there who were like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to get in front of this train. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're too close to June internationals for me to be, uh, for me to be, get, yeah, me to be doing yeah. too much of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so let's have a quick look at some of the stats. I mean, yeah, obviously the, the the Canes kicked it out as quick as they could at the end there because the, uh, the Reds deservedly got that losing bonus point. But uh, you, you say you're right. Let, let's give the Reds applaud. Let's 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 have a go at the Hurricanes stats. The second half, seventy seven percent territory for the Hurricanes, only twenty three percent territory for the Reds. That is a appalling strike rate for the for the Canes that they didn't score more points. 15 clean breaks to five clean breaks, uh, and this game came down to four points. The, yeah, the Hurricanes really were the not Reds on. Were super effective. I think the Reds pretty much got points almost every time we got into Hurricanes 22. I think it was one or twi- once or twice we did it. But I, a 75% tackle rate by the by the uh, by the Reds, I and mean, their scramble. Um, Defense must have been good on the night because oh, it was, the, uh, it was a sight to behold. The, the first, the first up defense wasn't 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 that great. <laughs> no, but it also felt really, really. I mean, when you take away those last five percent and you don't really commit, you don't have a guy around you doing the hard yards and so on. I mean, yeah, I, I was mostly surprised actually, especially in the second half. But this sort of continued with the Hurricanes because I was expecting Chris Boyd to give him a hair dryer and have that like step it up here boys but it it just went on and on and and I mean you can only play what's in front of you but Hurricanes should probably be lucky because a little bit better side than the Reds they would probably beat them if they play like that oh absolutely I mean, we look at again some of the other stats here passes 196 passes for the Hurricanes that's a crazy amount only <laughs> only 80 by the um, by the Reds 156 runs to 78 runs they pass the ball more than way more than twice as much. They ran the ball twice as much, and they came up with only four more points. This was a team that really, really did not uh, did not did not execute. They were not clinical on the night, um, and they got out of jail. They won't get out of jail against other teams, uh, as you say. And when, when you say stats like that, sorry for swearing, Paul, but it almost <laughs> sounds like <laughs> it almost sounds almost like football in Barcelona with tiki taka play when you're just passing, 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 <laughs> passing. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. I, 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 there, there are more like that. I mean, I can go on like 15 offloads to three offloads. I mean, yeah, yeah they, they 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 dominated on so many of those sort of things, but they just yeah, but they, they in other games they will be in trouble. The uh, moving on then, uh, we went over to Hong Kong of all places for the Sunwolves versus the um, the, the Stormers, um, and we had a bit of a, a bit of a story of two halves here, didn't we? Um, Dylan Lade's lovely break, an amazing try to uh, in the corner to kick things off. Um, the Stormers pick up another try by from an intercept to the Sunwolves, and it, it's it's all one way traffic for a while uh, for a while there for, to the South African side. Well, uh, no, I would say actually, because both those tries for Stormers score were more like uh, gifts from the from the Sunwolves. When it looked with more structured play, I thought Sunwolves actually looked the, the better side from the start. Almost, you know, they looked. You, I didn't expect Stormers to score ever. Almost when they tried to play within the structures, they, they get 
got some gift again, do some scrambling on, on, on attack. Yeah, then they could score. And Dylan Lates, although he made his second try, we might, we might come to later too, is also bo- both uh, his first try is be like, it's with inches he scores his one, you know. Inches, like. And all, same thing with his next one. So it's like, I wouldn't call it like Storm is dominating because, yeah, I would say the road were luck a little bit there. Maybe so, but the, the, um, uh, the, the, I mean, throughout this game, they gave up only three penalties all game to, 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 to nine by the Thummels. They were very well disciplined. Um, and I think they did, they, the, the tackling was also, um, to a high percentage, uh, as well. I, Tanaka, great spot to, to get the break and, and help, uh, drag things back to, uh, to 10 17 at half time. But it, to me, it felt like the second half, the, the, the Stormers just ran out of gas and couldn't cope with yeah. the heat, which was I mean, yeah. one of those things we talked about last week, wanting to see the African, the big Afrikaans forwards running around in the, uh, the humidity. <laughs> and, and yeah, that didn't work. Well, it's, to be fair to me, it was pretty close. It was pretty, I mean, they were not that far away from winning. No, they weren't. It's, it was pretty close, but uh, the, uh, the the sun was definitely were throwing everything at them in that sec- early in the second half. They were, yeah, really, they were yeah. running it from everywhere. They, they really were trying to stretch them and make them yeah. uh, and make them uh, get, get tired. The uh, and it took wasn't until the sixty seventh minute that the Stormers scored in that second half. Uh, very different to the first half, and then it was a scrum uh, a scrum penalty, um, which, uh, which which sort of which gave them a, a quick. Um, uh, yeah, scrum penalty and then offside penalty gave them that twenty twenty three lead. Seventy nine minutes holding onto the ball gives Hayden Parker a shot at goal to even things up. And then, yeah, eighty two minutes and after the Hooters gone, the the the, the Stormers have the ball and they turn it over, going for the victory. And the Stormers go down and uh, and drop goal and over. The ah oh, the um, this one. At the end of the day, she came down to kicking. Hayden Parker, one hundred percent, and only sixty percent uh, kicking sticks by the by the Stormers. Uh, you've got to say, if they had um, oh, Dupria like they had last season, they'd have won this game because he wouldn't have missed those kicks. Um, probably not. Probably not. But I thought, but still, on performance, especially in the second half, I thought some Wolves outplayed Stormers a lot, and I was actually my feeling was when. Going into the last minute and the, the Stormers were still leading with three points. I was thinking about this is some wolves, classic some wolves, like gifting away another game we should have won, you know, because they, they really had the, the Stormers on the ropes for a large part of that second half, but they just couldn't nail it in the end and then gave away two. And we actually took the lead eventually, but then we gave away two pretty stupid penalties to, man, to let Stormers come back in. But I have to give some prop to Marais also, that 57 meter kick. On sea that, level, that, that was pretty impressive, you know, and it, lo- it looked like it had another ten on it too. You know, that it, it, it was a very impressive kick when, he, when I thought they, they were safe giving a penalty that far out. Um, but I, I mean, one of the things, Stormers gave up three penalties. The Sunwolves kicked three penalties. I mean, so not only did they give up give up three penalties, but they gave them all in kicking distance. Um, yeah. So they, they yeah, it's. Uh, um, Whilst the the Sunwolves came away with this win, they may have played better. Uh, I think they got a bit. Um, yeah, I think they got a bit lucky with uh, again with, with of the storm side that I mean, really. I mean, that last play is uh, is crazy. I mean, it's kamikaze rugby in many ways, but it's beautiful when it comes up because there is a draw. Uh, Stormers 
kicks off a ball, the hooter goes, it's a full 80 minutes. Some wolves have a ball deep inside their own 22. They could choose to kick it out and take a draw right away there. But no, they kick it back to the Stormers and try to contest the kick. Lose that battle, so the Stormers get a chance just outside the 22 to break them. And for tw- like 12 phases, Stormers and we can't milk the penalty. And then the, the Georgian boy in Samuels made the turnover. But what Samuels did after there, you have to applaud them, you know, inside their own 22. And they were like within 30 seconds, they were inside Stormers 22. And it was <coughs> Hayden Parker made the drop call, but he was also all behind that attack too. I mean, first he's pretty spot on kick out uh, on the wing, and then also he comes there and cleans up the ball out of my wing also on his own kick after the winger have just dropped it on the ground, so he's not going out. And as soon as he gets the chance, you know, and also remember Hayden Parker is left footed and he took the drop with his right, so that's like that's Dan Carter esque almost. You know? <laughs> Well, yeah, that's exactly what Andre said. Yeah, wrong foot, Dan, Dan Carter-esque. Um, another comment in the, in, the, in, the, in the chat from Christopher. Um, Robbie Fleck is quite possibly the worst coach in Super Rugby. I'm not sure about that. There's some pretty good contenders there for him uh, to, to well, compete who, against who, him. Na- na- name them. Name them. Who is worse than Robbie Fleck? Name them. Um, yeah. The, one at the, the guy at the Waratahs for a start. Uh, he's got a host Gibson? of... Dale, Dale Gibson, yes, exactly. He's got a host of... Um, uh, of Wallabies there in Hooper, Foley, Beale, Falau, uh, and they have been looking abject at times. So yeah, no, I, I don't rate, I, I don't rate him at all. Um, the so yeah, so I think there are there's there's definitely some 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 competition, uh, and I think <laughs> uh, I mean uh, Brent's decided to to throw in um, Tanner in there as well. Yeah, that's, that's the one I was thinking about too. Actually. <laughs> Um, I guess we have our three medals here, you know, gold, silver, and bronze for worst coaches. <laughs> I'm, and I, I'm, I'm not convinced by Dupria either. Um, the, the Sharks, they have, to me, they've been one of the most disappointing teams this season because uh, they've got the quality. Whereas I think the Stormers always were going to struggle this season with inexperience at their halfbacks. Uh, so it's much more of, of what I was expecting from the Stormers. Whereas the Sharks, I expected so much more. And I've been so disappointed by by what's come from come from them as well. They're so, very bipolar, aren't they? The sharks. Yeah. Yeah. Well. The most, yep. most inconsistent team in the competition. And again, again, we've already said that there's plenty of competition for that in the Reds. Yeah, <laughs> the that's sh- also a tough one. <laughs> the Haguaris early 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 form was very inconsistent. But they they seem to have sorted that out. Um, the uh, the Stormers, fantastic. Haven't lost at home, or maybe they've lost one at home. Haven't haven't but haven't won any away. Uh, yeah, no, there's there's plenty of um of yeah, uh, of you that. Could, you could probably could probably even place Highlanders there now too. They're starting also go very much up and down. <laughs> well, that's only if you kick people in the face. So talking of um of uh, of that, let's, well, let's actually no, let's move on to the uh, the Blues versus the Crusaders. Um, I was actually at Eden Park for this one, uh, and uh, in the rain. In in the rain. So, um, so yeah, so hopefully no one from Eden Park's watching. But, yeah, we took our general admittance tickets and went and sat in the south stand where you're not allowed to sit. Uh, that, so uh, the more expensive seats because they, they were covered. Uh, but no one checked our tickets, so it was all okay. Um, so, yeah, so it was, was, up, was up in the, uh, the upper south stand for, for, to watch this one. And um, I'll admit I had a few beers. So my memory of this one is perhaps not as great um, as it should be, and my notes are even less great, um, having not made any... Um, uh, which I which I probably should have done, um, but uh, yeah, 
to me, from memory of actually watching the game, being there, never really felt like the Blues were, were really in this one. Uh, that, uh, that basically the Crusaders always were uh, kept, had, had, it, had enough to, to stay in the lead um, and, and take it, even if it did get um, marginally close at some points during the first half. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you, Paul. Like, it was like, it was like Blues. They could like get their hands on the door handle, but they just don't even know how to really open it. And Crusaders, all, even if Crusaders from bits and parts of this game play pretty bad rugby, you know, lots of handling errors from them, so lots of stupid rugby. They still just when, when they needed to, they, they just need how to step it up. But I guess we have to go there. I mean. It's the second week in a row that Crusaders are extremely lucky. We could have a very different game here again. I mean, because I and I watch it on television, and the thing I don't know if you were aware of it inside the stadium, but they actually took it up with the TMO. But it was like two minutes afterwards, and it was pretty solid evidence that that uh, Franks had hit Parson with his forearm arm in the in the head. And the ref, what I understand, the referee said, no, but, it, but it's gone too long, you know, we can't, I can't red card him now, it's, it's, you know, this incident happened over two minutes ago, so we play on. Wow, that's what was, I, mean, I'll, I'll, I didn't hear yeah, what was said. Yeah, that's why, that's why Ta- Tana is furious after a like, oh, that's, furious. no, I mean, if, if the referee realises that he should have given him the red card, they just give him the red card, because yeah. I, we, we watched it live, we saw it there, and I was like, when they went, when they didn't uh, do anything about it, I was like, "That's a sighting." <laughs> He's getting a ban for that yeah, one. Yeah. Um, now, no, I, mean, um, I must say, to me, it looked like he was actually put his arm around the guy's head and, and, and twisted. But anyway, um, if it was, if it was a, either way, it was contact around the head neck area uh, oh, yeah. at the mall, and basically, yeah, if, even me, miles away from a a, pretty, a not that big screen, uh, looked at it and went, "Yep, he's getting cited for that because referees missed it and not given it." But this is a weird thing that the referee actually got a chance to have a look at it, but still miss it, which is like, what is going on here, you know? But I think, if I may say, like, with the Crusaders, I'm having a, a wee feeling now that this is going to come back and hurt them because now it, if the referee is going to have eagle eyes on them for the next couple of games. They're not going to get away with anything because it's got to be kind of embarrassing if you're a referee and, and missing blatant red cards like that and we're shown right in front of your eyes and you're still not calling them that's they have him under reuse also referees you know and that's not going to look good at all for him yep uh, and the the Crusaders and New Zealand sides have have a reputation for getting away with some things and I think actually that's more just people just blowing it up than anything else but you're right the the Crusaders now are going to have people watching them it was just dumb play two weeks on the trot two props who should know a lot better and it's not even yeah I don't know what to say about it really yeah. but I say even even we even us in the ground looked at him and went yep he should be off uh, and yeah. yep uh, so that if, if we could see it and we were at the top of the south stand um, which, which uh, I'd say yeah, my legs were burning well so I walked all the way up there never mind uh, <laughs> um that, uh, that yeah, if we can see that far away, then yeah, it, it was pretty clear. Um, but if you continue, sorry, but if you just continue that note about the Crusaders going to have their eyes on it, because they also have five yellow cards in the last four games to add to that. And I see like Racer go out, oh, but we're not a dirty team, you know. But Racer, maybe <laughs> <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> Do your homework. 
Yep, they are a dirty team. Let's be honest. And whilst a lot of us look at uh, uh, from from the, from, a, from a European point of view, we, we we're so used to watching the All Blacks um, backs running around and breaking, uh, playing champagne rugby and scoring. Their forwards have for many years, for, for forever, um, been more than willing to to put the old put the odd dirty hit in there and here and there. So. No, they're as equally dirty as, as as some of the South African teams have been rep- rep- reputation for. Box teams have been reputation for as well. It's just the box teams enjoy having the reputation. I mean, just think of Victor Matfield and and, Bac- and Bacchus Botha. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Whereas the, the the All Blacks like to have a uh, realize they've got a media machine that has to keep their image white than white. So whilst they, the players will do it, they don't try and revel in it. Um, but I remember one of the All Blacks uh, on the November tour. Just hitting a player from behind and just swinging a punch and hitting him, you're like, "Hang on, the guy's not even looking at you, and you just—that's just—that—that's a very cheap, dirty shot." So, um, but I have to say, I want to add one more thing to this. I mean, I have to say, fair play because TV media is also usually turning the blind eye to this, but you have to give props to them. They have, they have been pretty upset about this also and follow it up. So, like, it seems. And that's when you also, that's what I also suspect by Crusaders is going to have a little bit of a rougher time in the next couple of rounds here because when even the Kiwi media starts pointing a finger at them, then you know you're in trouble. You know? Then you know where to talk behind the scenes. Um, yeah, no, exactly. And I'm just realized we've been going for what looks like about half an hour already and we've only got through a couple of games. Um, so, um, <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, a very wet game, hence that's why we went and hid in the stands. Um, it was interesting to see that even the Crusaders were kicking for three at times uh, because of the weather, um, and they, they kicked a couple of penalty goals. Again, the Blues' kickings didn't help them, but hey, the, the Crusaders got a lead, went out in front, and just just held on to it. So even though they did uh, have what should, they should have had a red card, they did get a yellow card. Um, they they powered on through and won it. I, the Blues' line out again <laughs> fell apart. Um, now. I'm not a line-out coach, but here we go, Tanner. Please watch and listen. Throw it in quick, get your guy in the air quick, and make him catch it. Stop having them walking up to the line-out, running backwards and forwards, playing sort of some sort of uh, musical chairs as to who's going to stand in the right place, then get lifted and overthrow it. That's, no, don't overcomplicate it. You need to simplify the line-out because it's going bad for several weeks on the trot. This isn't. And and you're one of the few teams that's doing it as well. Every other team seems to be able to do a line-out, pretty much, give or take. Uh, sure, certain line-outs will disintegrate for one game or whatever. But week after week, this is just appalling weather blues. It is, it is. I mean, I want to think again, because it looked like the same old story with the scrum in the beginning against Crusaders, but yeah, the blues stepped up with scrum after like 20, 25 minutes. They actually forgot. Because it looked like when you have all, when, when Crusaders is dominating both the scrum and the lineouts, then you know you're going to be in for a long day at the office. You know, it's not something you I thought at least that was a positive for the Blues. The scrum is looking a tad bit better. Right, for positives, the Blues, their tackling has been a lot better the last two or three games. Again, they, yeah. they hit 80% this week rather compared to the Crusaders' 70%. Uh, so their defence has stepped up, which is why they're not getting blown away quite so much as they have been in previous previous games, uh, and that has been good. But yeah, there, there are some still some, some, some pretty big deficiencies, um, as we say, around that sort of set-piece line-out uh, and some other areas as well. So the... Um, yeah... 
So, but unfortunately, that's that, that's, that's kind of what we've had from from the Blues. Moving on, then, um, the drought has finished. Finally, <laughs> the Waratahs have managed to uh, to to stand up for Australia. And perhaps we should all stand up and sing "Waltzing with Tilda" or something at this point. Um, but um, yes, forty-one uh, twelve. Um, I had the Highlanders by five in this one. Um, I didn't see a this kind of result coming after the Waratahs had lost to a Blues side that we've already just been talking about being appalling. Um, wow, this was uh, this, this, this all came out of the blue. Really? I saw it coming actually. I had, I had the Waratahs to win this game, but basically because yeah, they lost against Blues, but still Blues defense was pretty good in that game. But it was more like Waratahs wasted it. They could easily won it. Then obviously the next week against Crusaders, I think they really showed that. Oh, they are a serious team. They can compete with the Kiwi side. So, and also, I kind of assume that uh, Waratahs, if they just took that little bit of robbery in Christchurch on the right way, they would be fired up and like really make sure we're going to do the business this week. So, so um, I, I predicted a, a Waratahs, not as big as core, but that, that I think the, the card obviously came into picture. But even before the card came out, but it looked like Waratahs was better. But that's maybe an, an idiot argument because. Highlanders are pretty re- well renowned for being good at scrambling and coming back and feeding out of scraps. So they could might have won it, but 14 men, of course, it's impossible for them. Waratahs were good. So yeah, so let's go through those early uh, uh, those early pieces. Um, the Tiles got an early penalty to get a score up. The Highlanders looked great in broken play. You had your, your, your Ben Smith, your Aaron Smith, your, your normal suspects offloading straight off, uh, um, hit, hitting that, that, that tight channel over and over again to score a try only for it to be called back for a, um, a forward pass as uh, the, the accountant um, uh, Smith had, uh, Ben Smith had overrun the ball. Um, we then had Nairavoro doing what he does best, which is using his power. Also perhaps a bit of, showed a bit of uh, twinkle toes uh, to step around one player uh, to, to, to go over in the corner. And then the moment that potentially decided the game, 18 minutes in, there's a high ball. The player goes up as you would normally do with a leading leg, um, but with basically your studs facing downwards, but the knee up to protect himself, which is pretty standard. Caught the ball, looked down, saw the player was about to hit him as he landed, and so stuck his foot out in the guy's face. Yeah. And yes, um, I initially thought uh, when I heard about this before I saw it, I was like, the guy in the air is looked after and he can do basically what he likes. What you can't do is look at somebody and deliberately kick them in the face, which is what yep. he did here. Um, <laughs> if he had jumped up, had his head face, had his eyes in the air, looking at the ball and had his legs stuck out, different situation entirely, but he didn't. He'd already caught the ball and this was to try and stop him from getting hit. So he, he knew he was about to get hit as he landed and uh, deliberately put in, the, put in the studs in the guy's face. Yeah. I mean, basically, a kicking movement by his leg also, just before. It's not like he had his leg in the same angle all the time when jumping. He clearly kicks. Yep, he clearly kicks. He goes up with a knee, and, yeah. the, and with the knee bent and the, and the leg facing downwards. He then catches the ball. He looks down, straightens his leg into the guy's face. And, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a clean red all day. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, um, but it looks, it looks very cool on pictures, actually. It looked like proper kung fu, you know. <laughs> 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 yeah, 
um, yeah, it, it's it's a red. He's going to get a ban that's going to be two to four weeks. Um, I don't know. We've had people hitting people's heads and getting away with four again with with four weeks good yeah, behavior. Two no weeks. Record. Sorry. He has no record of good. He has no record of good behavior. He can call on. He only played the like six games in Super Rugby ever, and if you only have a few games, you, can, you don't have a clean record. If you want to... No, he, ha- understand he, he has back. a clean record. He d- it's only if you have a bad record. He has a good record so far. This is his first ever card. Yeah. So... But he hasn't played many games. That's fine. But he hasn't got... He's not, he's not a repeat offender. So therefore, he'll get... He'll, he'll plead guilty. It'll get halved I've from whatever it is. Ah, okay. That's my, that's my opinion. No, I understand. Okay, no, no, my understanding is the Saiten Committee, if you're going to claim good behavior, you have to show that you've been good behavior for a couple of seasons. Otherwise, you can't play that card then. It's up to you to prove for several years of play that you're a clean player. Well, as long as he hasn't picked up a bunch of cards coming through the age grades, I think he'll get, a, he'll get away with it. Um, ah, he will not get extra for sure. And then, let's double down, and Aaron Smith gets himself yellow carded two minutes later. So not only are we down to 14 players, we're now down to 13. Oh. I think another, another like correct call, but uh, I mean, I'm probably not alone of it. It's getting frustrated because of the inconsistency about deliberate knockdown. Sometimes, sometimes even just a scrum, sometimes a penalty, and sometimes a yellow card. And it's like complete lottery what you're going to get depending on the day I'm a referee. And they, I mean, it's seriously ruining the experience when you're watching as a fan when you bet. Some members a rule that should be pretty clear is a rule is ref so inconsistent. Uh, and and it, it should be pretty clear. And it, the, the, basically, if you if you only have one hand and it goes downwards, then you, you're off the pitch. It's a yellow card. Uh, if you have two hands to it, then you've got a bit. You've got more of a chance. Um, and if you knock it up in the air, then you get to stay on the pitch. But if you knock it down like he did. With one hand outstretched, I mean, he only got his fingertips to it. He was never catching that ball. Oh, Not in a month a of Sundays. Um, but what annoyed me was because there were a few other situations in this game where he didn't go for the yellow card because he, he made this addition to the laws that, uh, oh, he got yellow card because it was a line break. Oh. And the second half, it was another knockdown. It was like, no, no card now because there's no line. I never heard that interpretation of the law before. Have you heard it? But it needs to be a line break to get a yellow card. That was a new one. Okay. Yeah. So also like, I mean, the, the laws are complicated as they are, you know. But remember, refs even start making up their own extra laws while playing. It's like, <laughs> so yeah, so hairs are coming. So I, I, I thought that that was a. Uh, I, I was comfortable with that yellow. Um, oh yeah, me too. As well. Um, and I thought that actually uh, that uh, Naholo got a bit lucky that uh, Naravoro scored a try in the corner because I thought Naholo, that was that looked to me like a pretty clear no arms tackle diving at the legs. Um, so I thought he could have uh, he could easily have got in trouble for that uh, for that one if uh, if Naravoro hadn't scored um, that time. So the so yeah the, the well the Highlanders survived that yellow pretty well. Uh, and went in um, at half time, fifteen nil down, because it was just that one try uh, when they were um, on that yellow. And as I say, Naholo got lucky in that situation. I think he could easily have been been in trouble too. Rona gets held up over the line um, after a couple of phases, uh, but but Falau gets the gets the try anyway. Um, and 
It's amazing. 44 minutes until the Highlanders score their first points. That was, uh, that, 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 that's going to be some sort of record. When's the last time a New Zealand side, excluding the Blues, um, <laughs> didn't score a point for the first 44 minutes? I'd be, uh, be, be good to know. But the, uh, you're down a man and you manage to work, manage to fit, get a situation where Elliot Dixon is stood on his own in about 10 metres of space. Um, the cross kick comes across and, yeah, he's just got to catch it and put it down. It was, that was poor by the Tars. Great. <laughs> uh, that's appalling by the Tars. You've got, you've got an extra man and you basically don't bother marking half the pitch. That, yeah, anyway. Highlanders actually, uh, while attacking, they didn't lose, uh, seem like they lost too much edge by being 14 man. It was much more in defense and it was obvious that they got to be like, yeah, we're going to leak some here because well, we did pretty good for long periods too because I have to say Waratos played pretty goddamn good rugby for long periods in this game. You know? It was some solid rugby from a Waratos. I mean, Foley probably had his best game for the season at 10. Really, yeah. really sharp play. Yeah, did a nice wraparound um, at one point when they were under advantage for a try from memory. Um, Falau picked up his 50th try for the Tars, I think it was. Uh, but you say, it wasn't until um, and, until later. I mean, the, 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 the Highlanders managed to pull it back to 29-12 at one point. Um, but then the, uh, the Waratahs just added a couple of extra tries to, to stretch that gap out late on. Um, and again, Phipps, another disallowed try. So there was, there was plenty of disallowed tries this weekend. Um, it was, it was. And I thought that one on Phipps, that was not also a little bit controversial because we didn't, uh, but it was, we were a mall and we was called, uh, for, it was obstruction. And it was also like very, very similar situation on the other side of the field where we refereed. No, 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 that's fine, you know. It was, yeah, yeah, indeed, high, one of the Highland strikes looked like he should be called back for obstruction. Yeah, and he said no. They were still down the same channel, so it was all okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. When you look at um, the tips, try it looked, it looked very similar. It's very difficult to uh, the, the whole mall thing as to when it is a mall, when it's a new mall, when it's an old mall. <sighs> I don't know. Um, so I'm, we still I'm, love I'm, this game, eh? I'm not going down that one. Um, the um, as I say, I, I'm a specialist lineout coach. I'm not a forwards coach overall. Okay, just 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 the lineout bit. Um, yeah. The um, <laughs> Kicks from hand, only 12 by the Highlanders. It showed that they changed their style of play because there were players down. They kept it in hand a lot more, I think, than they would normally do. They'd put up a lot more contestable kicks normally. But I think they, they, they realised having 14 players, they couldn't risk that so much. Um, that and Israel Folau, I would say. Uh, maybe, and that's maybe also Israel Folau. <laughs> um, again, uh, 180 passes by the uh, by the Tars, 112 by the by the Highlanders. Um yeah, and 121 runs, but 284. So the the um and having that's 60 more passes and runs. That's that that is an unusually large gap. It's normally about about the 20 odd mark. They were definitely throwing that ball around a lot um, on uh, Saturday night. They did, but I thought in Berg, uh, for them it may sort of make sense actually because that's it's a good way to tire out the other team. That you go coast to coast to coast and just let them. And I was also impressed by Tosby. You can many times see when a team gets a, a man advantage for a full game, they actually start 
pushing a little bit too much, you know, we want to go for the kill right away. There should be space here, there should be space here, and, and if the other team is stressing, it's not that hard to defend with 40 men if the other team are, like, stressing their movements, pushing way too hard, you know, but there, what I thought, we kept cool heads, yes, they know, we just go away for this process, and eventually they will leak, and yeah, fair play to Tops. I thought in this case it made sense to throw a kill around like they did. Yeah, that's, um, they, they, they got a, themselves a comfortable victory, so yeah, they, they, they played well. Moving on then over to South Africa, um, Sharks versus the Chiefs. Um, now the Chiefs missing a host of All Blacks um, for this game. All of them. So, well, not quite all of them, but well, because uh, Triple T came off the bench, uh, for example, and I believe he's, he's oh, been yeah, into yeah, the yeah. squad. So, but he, he, he didn't know he was an All Black man. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, so yeah, so the so yeah, missing all their all blacks, also looking pretty tired. Uh, yeah, I, I had the sharks down for three on this uh, on this one. Um, got it slightly wrong. The sharks won it by four rather than by three, but that's pretty close. Um, three early points to the sharks. So yep, they were definitely um, uh, kicking their um, uh, kicking kicking their, 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 their rather than going for the corner. So perhaps not having a full confidence in their lineouts. Um, some wonderful play by the Sharks front uh, front row with their offloading skills. Not something that you normally see from a South African side. The Beast look, look in good form for the Test Series. What do you reckon? Sorry? The Beast. Oh, he's always been looking good. They, um, ah. You get a extra form now. The, <laughs> Andres, the Sharks were cruising. I'm not so sure about that one. Um... So, um, um, if I was a shark fan, I would probably be a little bit disappointed. I mean, that's that was a seriously, seriously depleted Chiefs team. You know, they could have beaten, they should have beaten them with more points. No, I, I yep, totally agree. I think they should have, um, uh, should, should have given, given, uh, uh, the, 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 yeah. This again is this is the most disappointing side in Super Rugby, the Sharks. Yes, they should have been beating the the, the, the Chiefs by, by by more than that one. Getting caught out by a, the, a, a trick um, line-out move for the Sharks to score um, their try by kicking it, overthrowing the ball, um, so not even having to maul properly uh, was was a bit bad. And so yeah, to go in ten up, ten all at half time was uh, yeah, it was, was was a bit poor really. Yeah, it was it was not easy on the eye of this game. There were probably the worst game of the weekend actually. Um, the well, as as I think Ryan talked about the Sharks game last weekend, he said, "Yeah, his eyes were, ble- were, were bleeding um, by the time." <laughs> he's like, yeah, "Yeah, the Sharks are yeah, they're, they're not playing easy on the eye at the moment." Um, interesting seeing Charlie Nartai back at thirteen rather than at fullback. Um, picked himself up yeah. a nice um, intercept try there. Um, the uh, and they, they the Sharks nipped over. Um, for a, for for a try from the back of a scrum, which put them two scores ahead, and yeah, and they just they they saw it out. The only reason this one was remotely close was that the Chiefs scored after the Hooter, so it makes it look closer than yeah, it really was. They were never really it, it was all all too little, too late. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, and oh, dear so Ashwin has joined us in the in the chat. Thank you, live chat. Thank you, Ashwin, for joining us, oh. and has decided to that he's going to put his oar in and go, why did the All Blacks have to miss the game? Is Super Rugby a serious competition or not? 
perhaps that's one option we can ask ourselves tomorrow on the hashtag we chat rather than game reviews yeah. and uh, we'll talk about that one tomorrow night as one of the questions some of the stats from this one five penalties for the Sharks ten for the Chiefs so they didn't help themselves that way but as you say this was not easy on the eye 21 turnovers by the Sharks yeah 22 by the Chiefs all right neither side wanted the ball <laughs> basically no 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 um, and with so many handling errors and also like uh, from time to time not impressive scrumming into it, uh, rugby can be pretty dreadful to watch sometimes because it takes away all all the things that are beautiful with rugby. It's all of a sudden far, far, far away, you know. And you just know really, as soon as you get stick one, two passes together, and oh, something is on here. But you, after a while in that game, you just know, no, 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 they're going to drop it. They're going to drop it soon enough. You just stay here and watch it. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, uh, 17 clean breaks to the Sharks to five by the um, uh, by the Chiefs so yeah, how you can have three times as many clean breaks uh, and still only win by four points yeah that, that was pretty impressive pretty impressive by Chiefs to get 24 points with so many handling errors so few clean breaks you know that's uh, that's a magician man. <laughs> some magic <laughs> how did we do that well partially by the fact they had um, Marcy Banks kicking perfectly I think was uh, was, was part, of, part of it um much quicker than his brother, who takes a lot of time, the, the smiling assassin kind of thing. Um, he just knocks him over, and, um, and and that was part of it. Um, I like you calling Banks, Marty Banks. Oh, it's not Marty Banks, is it? Sorry. Oh, dear <laughs> me. Marty McKenzie. Jeez. Oh, I'm tired. Um, I the, I was um, like the Finky fella. Have they got Banks back from that? No, he's in Japan. He's he's like, <laughs> but you know... Since you're such a wealth of knowledge, it's always, it's always hard to go against you. Like, no, Paul, that was I <laughs> Well, he's just, yeah, he's just finished in Italy, hasn't he? So he's in, actually rather than, so he might be over in Japan now. Because um, Marty Banks was playing for Treviso uh, last season. Yep. Um, so, yeah, actually he'll be, he'll be in off-season at the moment. Anyway, um, moving on. Lions versus Brumbies. Uh, so we have, uh, so this could have a bit, a bit of a shock here. Tom Banks yeah. scores an early try, and you're like, Wow, we've not really seen, we're not seeing this, uh, not seeing this. Where did he get that speed from? <laughs> Where did I, have you seen it? I mean, he looked like a proper sprinter, man. Like, boom, like a rocket. Um, yeah, I, I, we've not seen this Brumbies side for, for, and it was, it was a bit of a, uh, um, a bit, bit of, uh, what's going on? I've gone Mirage, um, because we saw the, the real crusade, the real Brumbies came out after that, um, and lost the game quite comfortably to the Lions, but, um, I thought this, this game was like decided by one moment for me. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, just before the minute 60, I thought, I thought Brumbies looked like they're going to win this because Lions again look a bit fragile, lots of handling errors, you know, like the, no real structures and Brumbies look way more dangerous. It was by Rory Arnold's red card that completely destroyed them. And it was a stupid red card. Another one like if you see the replay of it, it's like 100% a red card. Like his, his shoulder bangs into the machine of, uh, of, of Elton Jantis, was it? And you just know, what are they thinking? What are they thinking? Yeah, so that was on 61 minutes. It fell apart completely after that. Also, probably spending because they had to, was it Nasarani and Pokov was back, and they looked really good, both of them, but they took them off after 55 minutes. That probably didn't help either. Well, it didn't help that you see. Had, you had Rory Arnold red card on 60, 61 minutes. Sam Carter then yellow carded a minute later. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So let's, yeah. let's take out both of our locks 
<laughs> and uh, yeah. and try and play. Uh, yeah, that wasn't. Um, so yeah, no, you're right. At that point, up, up to that point, it was 21-24. Um, so the the Brumbies were leading, uh, and then yeah, as you say they 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 kind of fell apart. Um, and it was line out more, line out more, line out more. It was basically how the the Lions won this one. Um, I am Talk about Lions. Have visited them. I mean, you've been, as me, you've been watching them closely for the last two seasons, and they have played, yeah, brilliant rugby. And now it's like it's all gone. The exactly, and and what's changed? Well, yeah, why have Ackerman's gone up north, but yeah. the rest of his, it's not like he left and took his coaching staff with him. Oh, okay. He left his entire coaching staff behind him. He took his son, he took his son with him. Yep. Uh, one player who was a, an emerging player, not even necessarily a, a full-time starter, and left behind the entire setup that should be able to just continue as it did, yeah. uh, as it was. And it hasn't, for some reason. The backs just haven't clicked. Uh, they're not playing the exciting, expansive rugby. Yang Cheese isn't being given the platform that uh, that he's had previously, and that doesn't. Uh, and fly halves always look, look worse when they're not given front football. Um, he used to be used to be getting front football all the time. He's not anymore, and that's and we're seeing much worse play from him. He has, and he's lacking confidence. And he did one crossfield kick in this game that went backwards um, in the twenty-two, and I'm like, <laughs> what? That's possibly the worst crossfield kick I've ever seen, um, except maybe Crotty's one. But then yeah, that, that was a sliced crossfield kick in his own twenty-two. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't really on purpose. Um, so the yeah, I just there are some yeah. Yankees clearly is, is is not playing with much confidence at the moment. Um, okay, sure they've lost Faf to Cluck, but Faf, to, Faf, Faf wasn't first choice scrum half last season anyway. He was on the bench most of the time, or a lot of the time. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd uh, clearly Ackerman is 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 the problem, it's just to inspire yeah, the team. But I, but I also agree with you what you're basically saying here. But he left enough players and structures there for them to continue to build. And it seems like they're not building on what's left. Of him. They're destroying what's what he left. And yeah, also think they look so, so they look so prone to make mistakes. Even when I mean, when we played against the Hurricane Highlanders in New Zealand, too, they were. You can clearly see that there are enough. Uh, talent and skills in uh, in the Lions team to actually be able to beat the New Zealand team, but they just oh, they're so close and so far away from getting it all together. You know? They make so many stupid mistakes. You know, like they are. In, I mean, I don't was against Highlanders. I don't know how many times they were inside Highlanders twenty two and just kept dropping the ball, dropping the ball, dropping the ball. Like, and this is not a, like only one game. It, Keep doing it, and uh, do you have handling errors from from this game too? How many times? Uh, um, I can have the handling errors. Yep, I can get, bring them up. Um, so turnovers conceded: fifteen by the Lions, eight by the Brumbies. Yeah, fifteen. I mean, it's that's. Yep, that's bad. That's not a top. <laughs> that's yeah. The um, but the reason that they're in this one for any reason is down to the Brumbies' discipline. Nine penalties by yeah. the Lions, seventeen by the Brumbies. Seventeen but, penalties, two yellow cards, and a red card. Yeah, but it, the red card was what triggered it all because the red card made them. Then the Brumbies took a, a lot of penalties just trying to defend their driving mall, and that's how we got the next yellow card. And then again, so that's when it, most of those penalties come. It was before that the Brumbies stayed pretty disciplined, but it was 
I don't like to say like one event changed the game, but here it was very evident, you know. But also because I have to factor in, it was play on the high belt on altitude, and you go down 14 men in the last 20 minutes. Oh, no, 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 no. But still, not I, good. it's not good, but okay, so line outs. Uh, the, the Lions won 18 of their 20 line outs. <laughs> How were the Lions playing? Oh, line out more. Collapse. Yeah. Penalty. Yeah. A line out more. Collapse. Yeah. Penalty. Exactly. Not the most um, riveting rugby to watch. Yeah. I, li- I like a good line out more, but I like to have a bit of variety. I don't just like to see 40 minutes of line out more in a half. Um, We're not Georgians. The <laughs> Um, so, yeah, the um, uh, so that was that, that, that's basically. To be fair to the defence in this one, eighty-eight percent by the Lions, eighty-six percent by the Brumbies. Some pretty good first-up tackling there. Um, so that was pretty. So 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 we're happy with um, with that side of things from them. Um, but uh, was, but yeah, the Lions was un, un, uninspired um, and only seemed to be able to score from line-out malls from my notes. I just. I look at my list, just see one after the other after the other, uh, and yeah, that's how they created the errors by the uh, Brumbies and, and won the game. Very much meat and potato. Um, going on to then the final game of the round, the Haguaris versus the Bulls, fifty-four to twenty-four. Ouch! That's a lot of points by the Haguaris. Yeah, but they were. First half was pretty even. I thought Bulls did good, but Jaguars showed again that they are a much changed side when we were put under pressure. We don't give away too many stupid penalties. We don't give away any yellow card. We stay calm. And when we got a, like classic, like Kiwi thing just before uh, halftime, then we got like, well, they put, put, didn't put under a lot of pressure. We got like one chance inside the Bulls 22 and we score right away. Right away. So we go in with a solid halftime lead. But in the second half, it was, I mean, should not use uh, too big words, but that was proper champagne rugby from uh, the Jaguars. They played brilliant, brilliant. They are from, I watch a lot, I pretty much watch every game in Super Rugby, and at the moment, they are the form side in the competition. They would back themselves against any team at the moment, the way they're playing now. Yeah, and they were doing something that, that um, a lot of us traditionalists like. They built a score, they were kicking their threes, and they're happy to, 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 to keep the, the scoreboard turning over. Uh, Sanchez didn't have the perfect day with the boots, so he missed some as well. But they were slow. They were happy to creep ahead and, and build a lead over the over, over the, uh, the the balls rather than forcing it and going right. We have to score in sevens. No, we don't. Yeah. We can. If they're going to keep giving us penalties, which they did all day, then we're just going to take. Um, then, then, then we're going to take the points. Um, yeah, it's seven penalties to eleven. So okay, I mean, not an excessive amount by the balls, maybe with eleven penalties, but with sixty-nine percent tackling. Compared to seventy-five by the Hagaris, I mean the Hagaris tackling wasn't great, but the Bulls was abysmal. That yeah. um, uh, you, you're going to get territory um, and, and and get yourself some uh, some, some points. Uh, another one where they were happy to build in the first half and in the second half ran away with it. Only had forty-three percent of territory in the first half to the Hagaris, but sixty-eight percent in the second half um, as the pressure told and probably the travel also told on the Bulls. Um, but yeah, defence by the Bulls was, was awful. Twenty three clean breaks by the Haguaris to eleven by the yeah, Bulls. <laughs> it was it was poor by the Bulls, but still you have to applaud the Jaguars because they put on some really slick moves in the second half. I mean, we 
if you like half half open your eyes, you can think it was another team playing in Black Gear just there. They're like totally destroyables, totally destroyables. And that's it's going to be interesting following Jaguars. It seems like they are doing it. I'm very very impressed with what we're doing. But like first thing we sorted out was obviously the discipline, and then we have sorted out their set piece, they have sorted out their defense, and now you have all these building blocks. And now we're starting throwing the pill around also, and that build a solid pick. Because we know we can throw the pill around too. They have those skills too. So they're starting to look like a well, complete side one. I read the stats in this one, and I was a bit kind of like, are those true? So, Pekuar is 121 passes, 130 runs. They ran, so there was, so. <laughs> and we talked earlier about how a lot more passes and runs is unusual. Uh, but to have less passes and runs suggests a lot of picking going, suggests you forwards have laid, have, have, have laid the groundwork that you've earned, oh, here, here, here the air quotes, earned the right to go wide, um, yeah. amongst the forwards. So yeah, the forwards, uh, need a lot of, well, whilst we'll talk about the lovely play the backs have been doing, I think the, the forwards needed a lot of, re, a lot of, uh, the credit oh, in this one. I mean, what's probably most telling for what, uh, Dangerous side with Jaguars can be from the rest of the season. It's, well, it's pretty hard to pick out a man of a match in Jaguars because from 1 to 23, they all delivered. There wasn't one single Jaguars player who had an off game. As you say, the forwards really, really put up a great platform for the backs to play on. But then you have to give a kudos to the backs too because that platform, they used it full on. You know, they took full advantage of a platform the forwards gave them. And hence 54 points. And it could have been a lot more actually. Okay. So. Do you want to have hazard a guess as to who is the top carrier in the game? Kramer. Nope, Creevy. Uh, Creevy with 19, Kramer with 16 carries. Um, and then, uh, and then Desio with 12 carries. So yeah. the top three carriers in this game were all forwards for the Haguaras, which, um, shows you that, um, and then we had Gallant, Halant, or Gallant, um, with 10 and, um, uh, Cancellari, um, also with 10. Um, obviously returning kicks but yeah as I say a lot of grunt work done by those three boys uh, Lavanini with eight um, and it's good to see that uh, actually just quickly check he didn't pick up a yellow card because there was one yellow card for the uh, for the Hakiwaras um, let's try to see um, no Mala, Mali 74 minutes and it wasn't like ugly it was more like yeah yep, so a little bit stupid a little bit unlucky whilst we used to always say yep Lavanini's on the pitch he's going to get a yellow card yay let's wait for it no, he's improved um, over the last few weeks. Um, very, very locking lock combo, Lavanini and Petty. They look amazing the last couple of games. Have, have they lost any lineouts in the last three games? I wonder. Did they lose any lineouts in this game? Uh, here I am. Sorry. Um, so uh, they lost one lineout in this game. They lost one lineout. Okay, yep. okay. But I think so, they lost like, one or two lineouts in the last four games. And we steal a lot of, from the other team. Especially Petty is really good. And also, what you, come back to what you said before, this thing, if, if your forwards deliver, if there's one player in Jaguars who looks like proper world class at the moment, it's Sanchez, the fly half. I mean, he's, he's running the show and had a really good bullet pass for, I think it was for the, the third or the fourth try. But also his game control, he's like, so it's, that's all, it comes back to this, like, as a 10, you can never ever look world class unless you pack really delivering for you no matter what you do but also if you pack deliver it makes you wonder do you really have to be world class to look world class if your pack is like really delivering for you well it makes you you, you can look good but um 
if you are also executing your kicks properly and leading them around the pitch, they will put in a lot more work to give you that opportunity to do so as well. If you're yeah. wasting every ball they give you, then they're going to get disheartened and uh, it, it's, it's uh, help hard to maintain that confidence. But when you, yeah, if they're going to give you the platform, you have to deliver. Um, and he is doing so. He has definitely matured this season. Uh, I always felt that um, previously he needed Hernandez outside him, um, but he seems to have uh, managed to get away from needing that crutch uh, and has looked much better um, uh, on his own now uh, there um, playing. So, but um, I just want to say, I just want to come back to uh, how the forwards react to a, to a fly half. And because in the, in the Sunwolves game, obviously, uh, if you watch, obviously, it's a lot of celebration when you win last minute drop, drop you. But still, you see the forwards in Sunwolves now, they love Hayden Parker. They love him. <laughs> It's, I watched like because I watched on Japanese television how they like everyone come up like really close hugging and looking in the eyes like or the man you know <laughs> he lives. I mean, because it's gonna be pr- quite beautiful. I mean, if all the hard work if you, if your kick you're gonna deliver it again and again and again, just both from tea and from hand. I mean, it's sweet. It's very very sweet. I've heard, I have a friend who played forward. He said like, what was it when you like the uh, a back player the most? Oh, that's like when you're inside your 22 and you, you do a turnover and your fly-up kicks it down eight meters to touch, you know, that's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the and, yeah, and Hayden Hay- Hay- Parker, and also it helps that they've won, they've, they've gone, what, we're around 14, so they've what, lost something like 12, uh, not something like 10 games on the trot and then have lost, have won two on the trot. And so that also helps that uh, when you do actually win a couple of games um, and yeah, if 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 your kicker's the guy that's uh, got you a lot of those points, then uh, yeah, you're, you're all going to be happy um, with each other um, as as well. I mean, that's been one of the things about is, is that the Souls haven't been leaving any points out there on the pitch. They've been getting everything they can out of it. Uh, where it's so, um, which does mean that they do they have to bring their A game. They have to keep. They they can't afford to lose any to, to leave any points out there. Otherwise, they will lose these games. I mean, like Hayden Parker, he has yet to. Uh... Because he played a few games in the top league before uh, last year too, he's yet to miss a kick on playing in Japan. The, he's, he's yet to miss a kick in Japan. Oh wow! Okay. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and he got the question. So, so have you never missed a kick in Japan? Like, of course I have in training. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me. Um, so yeah, again, another one of these ones of. Uh, I get it's with Hangarai's pulled away in the in the second half um, with that sixty eight percent possession penalty count. We talked about um, uh, clean breaks twenty three to Hagarai's eleven to the Bulls, uh, and yeah, we talked about the, the bad the bad tackling. So um, yeah, so yeah, good win earned by the forwards and, uh, uh, and and finished off by the backs, which is bit which was good. And um, oh yeah, another another crossfield kick. When with nobody bothering to defend half a pitch, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but in all honesty, by then who cares? <laughs> the game was already yeah, 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 the game yeah, was cool. well over by that stage. So um, it's uh, and one and one more thing to add to this: whereas you have to um, throw, whereas, whereas one guy have some eggs on his face after this game, and that's John Mitchell, who after the game last week when we beat the Sharks got questions about how you're going to play against the Jaguars next week. And he was like super confident. Oh no, no, no! I watched, okay, I watched a couple of the games earlier today. This is the same day we played the Sharks. Where he's, he's warm up for games. He's watching future opponents apparently, not to focus on the game ahead of him. 
And he was pretty staunch, you know. No, 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 I haven't figured out. I haven't figured out. It's not going to be no problem at all for us, you know. I, I see their weaknesses are everywhere. You know? It's going to be no problem whatsoever, you know. <laughs> and before they went on tour, I'd agree with him. He probably could. Um, after they've been on tour, it's a different side now that's gone home. Um, yeah, probably the wives are going, are you, are you still my husband? You're a different man. You've come back a, you've come back a changed man from your, from the tour. Um, <laughs> oh, dear me. Um, cool. So that brings us to the end of, uh, um, of, um, of our coverage. I think anything else in there? Um, oh yeah, yes. Yeah, so actually, yeah, what won this one actually, if we're, if we're looking at it, is that it, it was 2010 at half time and the Bulls didn't score again in that second half until the 69th minute. So nearly half an hour of rugby without scoring in that second half. And that's where the Haguaris took control uh, and ran away with it. And by the time the, the Bulls, was, Bulls managed to um, came back to score, there was not enough time and they weren't scoring in near enough points uh, to, to win the game. So it was all over. That's, it was in that third um, quarter that, uh, that this game was really won by the Haguaris and uh, just, just after, after um, half time. There's a fun little stat from this round that you can see. Scoring 24 points didn't mean anything in this round. <laughs> you see, 14 <laughs> score 24, all of them lose. That's the, wow, that's what we got to see. Here's our statistician. Yeah, 14, 14 scored 24 points and lost. Wow, that's um. And then you add on to that also the Storm have scored 23 and lost. Storm of 23. Yeah, uh, so the rug before you. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, are we going to talk about? Should, uh, we've overrun. Anyway, so I'm, not, I'm going to talk about. Yeah. Some, I'm, I'm going to talk about another topic. Anyway, um, we were talking about the Lions and how their assistant coach hasn't been able to step up, and yet he got a lot of the praise for how the Lions have played in the past. Technically, and if we look at a player, look at look at another coach that's been in a similar situation, uh, that's getting a lot of praise currently as an assistant coach, um, has been Stuart Lancaster, a guy who. At the top, where he was doing 20% coaching, 80% management, didn't cut it and lost his bottle. Where he's back to now doing 80% coaching and 20% management is showing where his real skill is at, which is manage, which is actually coaching players on how to play. Um, and I think that's possibly where the problem with the Lions is currently is that the guy they've got at the top is not a manager and he's been asked to do something that's not his skill set, whereas actually he's a very good coach as we've seen over the last three or four years, uh, but he's not a good manager. Um, and as that, uh, as more of his time is taken up managing rather than coaching, uh, that's why I think we're seeing the Lions slip. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. So and that's it. Uh, see this also like in, in the world outside rugby too. Right? Like probably the most common mistake most companies do is to employ your best salesman to the CEO. And <laughs> What we get wrong is instead because and usually what the salesman wants to be CEO because we get a higher salary. I mean, you, you can pay you, you get your number two even better than number one if he's more valuable coach for organization. But but probably maybe maybe we'll see more about this in the future. But I'm overall I'm a, I'm a massive fan in share leadership, especially in the, when you have like sports team or rugby team. I'm, I mean, how this is like fifty persons probably have around you. You've got a man manage. Very hard to do that by yourself. Oh, there must be leadership teams that, yeah, uh, you, yeah, you are expecting your, um, your forwards coach to be the guy who's man managing the forwards. Uh, your backs coach to be the man, yeah. And as head coach, uh, you're probably, you're man managing the other coaches 
and you had the head physio and that kind of thing. You're not actually managing uh, that much of the players, I wouldn't have thought. Um, the uh, uh, Andre reckons he's pretty sure that Swayze has been head coach everywhere but at the Lions until this year. Uh, yeah, one of the interesting things that came out of Plumtree when he first went to uh, go uh, to Super, uh, went changed from managing a uh, Mighty Ten Cup team um, to being part of the uh, coaching setup at one of the Super Rugby franchises was just the sheer scale and the size of the organisation. Suddenly, you went from a head coach and assistant coach, and maybe a conditioning person to a head coach, an assistant coach, a backs coach, a scrum coach, a line-out coach, a, uh, a couple of trainers, a physio, and the whole setup um, was different. Uh, so, yeah, being head coach uh, at a minor 10 cup or, or side and then being a head coach at a, a super rugby team or at an uh, uh, international team is a different, uh, it's a different set of skills uh, that, that they do need to learn um, as well. Cool. Yeah, but, but come through with Steve Hansen, if you just say something about Steve. To me, he comes through like a really good manager more than anything else. It seems like he knows how to make people around him to perform. The, um, sorry, who? The, Steve Hansen. Uh, Steve Hansen, yep. The old backs coach. He seems like a really, really good manager when it comes to making people around him to perform. The, uh, it's, it's, I mean, the, the triumvirate of, uh, Graham Henry Hansen and, um, oh, um, Smith. Uh, with the, yeah, I mean, they, they, I mean, they all have have, have that to a, a greater or lesser degree. I mean, one of the interesting points was at one point where they went, you know what, just so we don't get stale, we're going to rotate who does what. So the person who was the defence coach became uh, the backs coach, and the backs coach became the forwards coach, and the forwards coach became the defence coach, kind of thing. And they all rotated around um, just to so they didn't keep stale. And that, that was a really interesting one that where. You have some people like um, Andy Farrell or um, Edwards, um, I mean, Gustard up until now, they are defence coaches through and through. That's what they do. They do defence coaching. Um, and they, you never see them sort of. They don't, we don't have Graham Roundtree, for example, who's been a scrum coach and a forwards coach his entire coaching career. You don't suddenly see him go and become a backs coach or an attack coach. So it's interesting. The Yeah, it's different, again, uh, different style of coaching. Uh, down in New Zealand, perhaps, than, than some of the other places. Um, but but say, being multifaceted is perhaps uh, a, a good thing as well. Especially if you're going to be head coach. Well, yes, exactly. But then again, isn't, uh, isn't be, being a boss the most important thing is getting good people beneath you rather than actually being good yourself? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Anyway, we, we have, um, right. have rabbited on uh, for one of our longest shows. Thank you, Herman, very much for joining me. Um, why don't you let people well, actually... you? Well, yes, just thank you because you're a social media ghost. Um, hi, I'm Paul, the guy behind Driving Mall. So thank you very much for joining us. Uh, always up for a rugby chats, comments down below, or you can catch me at Driving Mall on Twitter. There you go. It's all written down there for you on the screen. Or if you're listening to the um, podcast, obviously, at Driving Mall. And if you are listening on the podcast, please give us a five-star review. Somebody else did, and I've just gone and forgotten to have it up for me. So, um, yes, it was a wonderful to get a five-star review. So please do leave me some. I will read out the one I got tomorrow. I will remember um, to have it available. So... Thank you very much and uh, catch you all tomorrow night at the same time.